0: Good morning. Good morning, brother. Good-looking crew we got here today. It's so good to see you. We're very excited. Uh, we are beginning our children's ministry, and uh, so we have our first date set. So uh, please invite children, and and if you want to, if you're interested in participating, we have our super duper Saturday which is going to be June 16th, and, uh, and so we're going to be, it's going to begin at 9 a.m., Jimmy, and uh, it's going to be a fun day for kids. We're also going to have a youth group coming all the way from uh, Idabel, Oklahoma, to help us, and it's just going to be a wonderful day. We're going to have a Bible study in conjunction with that and a lot of fun things for kids. So it's going to be a great, great day at Lindsley Avenue, and we're hoping to do this uh, every month, Uh, some type of community event and children's activity in our community to support families and to encourage people to to know the Lord. And so uh, we're grateful for that and for that ministry. If you have your Bible, take it out and turn to Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to be studying Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Uh, And this is one of my favorite passages to preach from on Mother's Day. And it's uh, a mother who would not give up. It's a persistent mother. And of course, today is Mother's Day. And we want to acknowledge all of our mothers and grandmothers that are in the audience today. We want to say thank you. Uh, for your love, for your support, for your instruction, for all of the things that you represent to children. Uh, We know that today is a a day that brings warmness and and brings tenderness and brings good memories, but we also want to acknowledge that today also can be a, a bittersweet day for some of us because we think about those that we've lost, We think about different situations in family life where this can be a sensitive time for some of us. And so we want to acknowledge that pain, but at the same time, we want to honor mothers because they're just so very important to the life of any person. I'm reminded of the words of Edgar Allan Poe who said this, one of my favorite sentiments, because I feel that in the heavens above The angels whispering one to another can find among their burning terms of love none so devotional as that of mother. When we think about the vocation of mother, there's really nothing so synonymous with love, is there? Mothers just have that way and that important role that teaches us what true love is. We know how special and how important, how profound mothers can be. That old saying goes, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That children, because of the the formative years, because of the influence that mothers have, it's so important and it affects the world. Mothers caring for their children, loving their children is so very vital and important. And of course the words of Abraham Lincoln, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Even within our language, scientists and linguistic scientists say that mother is the oldest word in human language. And the Bible says that not only do we think about mothers in a biological sense, but mothering happens in a spiritual sense, doesn't it? That when we have a Bible school teacher, or when we have a teacher at school, or when we have a neighbor that can really provide that nurture and that mothering. In fact, in the Bible, it says in 1 Timothy 5, exhort the older women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So when we look around in this auditorium today, not only do we have our biological mothers, but we also have our spiritual mothers. Those in whom we can look up to. Those in whom love us dearly and provide that nurture. The Bible says also in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight: her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Mother's are the first informants, really, of love, aren't they? A mother's touch. This past week, I saw something I never really wanted to see. And it was one of those sights that's so unnatural. And it was a child's funeral. Funeral. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a child's funeral, but it's one of the most unnatural things that you could ever see. To see a child in a casket. It just doesn't make sense to see a child in a casket. No, the child is supposed to be in a swing, the child's supposed to be at play, the child's supposed to be anywhere other than a casket. And this week, I saw a six-year-old lying in a casket. It broke my heart. And I kept it together until I saw the mother go up to the casket and then she touched the child. And right then, I couldn't, I couldn't contain myself any longer. I couldn't be politely reserved anymore. I began to cry. Because right then, I, I felt her touch. I began to kind of have a glimpse into the sorrow that she might feel because a mother's touch, we all know, don't we? And to see her touch her lifeless child brought tears to my eyes and broke my heart. A mother's love is the reflective love of God's nature. That when you behold a mother loving her child the child is beginning to know the very nature of God because that love that that mother expresses is the very person of God. It says in Isaiah sixty six thirteen, 13, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. That when God described His love, when God compared His love, He compared it to that of a mother comforting a child. He also says in Isaiah 59 15 Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would never forget you. God compares his love to a mother's love. Can a mother forget her child? I've seen a mother in action. I've seen my wife in action. And let me tell you, there's no forgetting the child. There's not. A mother is persistent, isn't she? She's consumed with the care of her child. That's the first priority. And in the same way, God's love mirrors that. The concern that a mother has for a child is the concern that God has for you in every aspect of your life. God loves you as a mother. Mothers are tenacious, unyielding, unwavering, persistent. You don't mess with a mother's child, do you? But they persist. I also saw in the news this past week where the mother of the girl that was killed in the Waffle House the Groves, who died at the young age of 21, who was two weeks away from receiving her diploma at Belmont as a social worker, and it showed in the news that her mother persisted for her, that her mother persevered for her, and that her mother walked across the stage to receive that diploma. Mothers persist, don't they? And that's the story that we have in Matthew chapter 15. Is a mother who would not give up. A mother who was tenacious. A mother who persevered. So I want us to look at that. The first thing that this mother does that's so important, and I challenge all the mothers to do here today and everywhere, is number one, she recognized Christ. If you look in verses 21, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and had cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I have not been sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. The first thing that she did that was so valuable for her daughter's care was that she recognized who Jesus was. She recognized that Jesus was the one who could help her. And how important is that for every mother? and every person here today, to recognize that Jesus is the answer. We seek that answer in so many things. But Jesus is the answer. She says, O oh Lord, Son of David. She came and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, help me. She had heard of Christ and what He had done throughout all those villages. She had heard about Him healing the lepers. She had heard about Him forgiving sins. She had heard about Him helping those with paralysis. She had heard all those stories, and now she recognized for herself that there was only one person in the world that could help us, and that was Christ. That's the only one who had the answer. And just as Jesus was the only answer for her and her conundrum of a daughter demon-possessed, That's the only answer for you and I. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me. If you're seeking an answer in your life that's other than Christ, it will come up short. Only Christ has the answer. Christ is deserving of our praise and our worship. Remember when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, Jesus said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, speaking of those who were singing and praising Him, that even the stones would cry out and worship Me. And what this woman represents in this story was a woman who was ahead of her time because she was a Gentile woman. And number one, Jesus hadn't even sent His messengers out into the Gentiles yet. That he had only sent his disciples out to preach to the Jewish people. And so what we have here is a woman requesting help. And it wasn't even in the right time that Jesus had spelled out. You see, rabbis didn't deal with Gentiles. Rabbis didn't deal with women. And so this woman comes to Christ begging, breaking all the social rules of her day. Begging for her daughter. She recognizes who Christ is. She recognizes His character that He will transcend those circumstances. The second thing that she does that's so admirable is not only does she recognize who Jesus is, but she relies on Christ alone. She relies on Jesus alone. You know, she could have relied on the disciples' opinion. What did they say? What did they tell her? They said, go away. Did she rely on His disciples' advice? No. She wouldn't even listen to those who were closest to Him. She relied on Christ. She was seeking Christ first. She was trying to rely on Him, not on the opinions of everybody else. Do we make that mistake sometimes? to where instead of relying on what Christ said and on Christ's character, that we start relying on everybody else in the church. And yes, we're here to bear one another burdens, but no one in this building is Jesus, are they? We have to rely on Christ alone because some days I will get it wrong. The person next to you will get it wrong. We have to rely on Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't let other people's judgment stop you from serving the Lord. It's ultimately about what God thinks and not about what humans think. Another thing that she didn't do was to rely on her own merit. Do you see her trying to qualify herself in in any sense in this passage? Does she talk about how much money she could give or does she talk about how good she is or how many times she's been to the synagogue or tried to get into a synagogue? No. She comes to Christ and she says, Have mercy on me. She doesn't try to rely on her own merit. It's on Christ and Christ alone. Sometimes we as Christians can sometimes begin to rely on our own righteousness and think that maybe righteousness begins in us, but as Isaiah says, our righteousness before the Lord is filthy rags. She relies on Christ and Christ alone. And ultimately, that's the secret to spirituality, isn't it? Is that ultimately, it's not something that you do out of your own strength. It's because you depend on the Lord, is ultimately following Christ. You rely on Him, you rely on His Word, you rely on His power because I don't have enough power, I'm weak but through His Spirit and through His Word and through His church, we can rely on Christ and Christ alone. But not only did she recognize who Christ was, not only did she rely on Christ alone, she also persisted. Because look what happens in verse 23. They said, send her away. She she persisted despite even Jesus' silence. He didn't answer her at first, but she still persisted. You know, sometimes God teaches us the most in His silence. We desire a word from Him. We desire it to be loud and clear. Unless you're like the Israelites in Exodus 20, when they heard the voice of God, they said, Moses, we don't want to hear that anymore. We're scared to hear. But God can teach us even in silence. Remember that when Jesus was asked to come to heal Lazarus, He waited. He waited three days. He didn't give them the immediate answer that they wanted. Why? Because they weren't ready. Because He had a deeper lesson to teach. And sometimes God's silence is God teaching us a deeper lesson we refuse to learn. And here God is silent teaching. But He answered her not a word. But she persisted. She persisted despite the test of discouragement. The the disciples didn't help her out. Send her away. We don't want to have anything to do with this Gentile woman. She'll make us unclean. But she persisted. She persisted despite the test of rejection. Verse 24. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not her time yet. But she persisted. She persisted despite the test of humility that comes in verse 25. Listen. In verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. One of the most confounding verses in all of Scripture. Here Jesus says, Why should I help her? And the reason why Jesus challenges her in this moment is because He's acknowledging the elephant in the room, the social faux pas. Here a Gentile woman is addressing a Jewish rabbi. That didn't happen. It wasn't supposed to happen. And then for Him to acknowledge her was even more of a social faux pas. And Jesus says, Am I to throw the bread to the little dogs. And she doesn't miss a beat. And she says, true Lord, yet even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from the Master's table. She expresses humility. She expresses the need. And what Jesus does by saying these challenging words to her is that He actually accentuates her faith. He reveals her faith to her. She, he reveals the faith of this woman to His disciples. And He says, great is your faith in all of Israel. Great is your faith. Now think about what He had told His disciples many times. Did He ever say, great is your faith, Peter? Peter? I don't think I ever read it. Did he say, Great is your faith, John? Great is your faith, apostles? No, most of the time, what he would say to his apostles, his, his followers that were with him every day, seeing miracle after miracle, is, Oh, ye of little faith. But yet, with this woman, he says, Great is your faith because you persisted, because you believe because you know because of your humility we need mothers like this woman here who point to a new time persistent in prayer persistent in caring and it says that in that very hour because of her faith because of her persistence that young girl was healed. She had changed her daughter's life. She had changed the disciples' life, really, because she persisted in faith, pursuing the Lord no matter what. No matter what the disciple said, no matter what the social construction says, no matter what, what the manners and the rules are, she followed the Lord no matter what. All bets are off she was going to rely on Christ. And he healed her daughter that very instant. One of those stories that I heard about that young girl at the Waffle House was that not only did her mother walk across that stage and receive that diploma for her, but they revealed the last moments of that young girl's life and what she was doing. And what she was doing was she was singing with her friend, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. As she died on the floor. You see, Jesus persists just like this woman does. Jesus persists in your life. Jesus is persisting right now. He's seeking you right now. He was there with that young girl as she died. He will be there with you when you die. He persists with us. He's always seeking us. He's always yearning for us. He's always desiring us. He's always helping us. Christ is seeking all of us in every moment. He's like this persistent mother who will not give up on you. He hasn't given up on any of us. Just like your mother will never give up on you, Christ will never give up on you. That He promises to be merciful. That He promises to care for you. He promises to be one with you in eternity. And what a beautiful blessing that is. A mother who would not give up, just as our Lord will not give up on us. The Bible says that whosoever will, let him come. The invitation to Christ is always open. You know what? I don't have to worry about showing up at my mom and dad's house and them being mad at me. I can go there right now and I don't even have to call them. That door will be open for me. You know what? If I'm hungry, that table will be spread. You know, in the same way, Christ never walks away. Christ never locks the door on you. He persists with you, and when you are ready to come to Him, His door will be open and His table will be spread. He never gives up. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Christ desires for you to repent, for you to know Him, for you to obey Him. That's His desire for you. And that table is spread for you today. Are you a Christian? The Bible says that being a Christian is is a life of joy, is a life of fulfillment. not only are you filled in a physical way, but you're filled in a spiritual way That the, that you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you'll be filled. That as we seek Him, it doesn't mean that everything gets easy, but it does mean that everything gets better. Because we're following Him. We're in His footsteps. We're in His shadow. We're in His safety. We repent of sins that turn us away from Him, that destroy us, that destroy our lives, our families. We confess Him to be the Son of the living God, and we're baptized into His body, the church, and we begin to have fellowship with Him and with each other in that body. Or maybe you're a Christian this morning, and you need encouragement, you need forgiveness, or maybe you need a prayer of healing or support. Whatever your need is, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.